0: Welcome to Life in the Valley, the podcast of the people at Summit Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. We gather each week in the heart of St. Paul on historic Summit Avenue, where our mission is to create rhythm, opportunity, and location where people like you can have life-changing experiences with God. Our podcast is one of those locations. As followers of Christ, we are doing our best to be on mission, disciple others, deliver hope, and champion this city. At any point in your journey with us today, if you want to take a next step or you just want to stay in the loop with everything going on at Summit, just grab your phone and simply text the phrase, be known, all one word, be known, to the number 651-360-2908. We will send you a short form that makes it super easy for you to complete. There's always new opportunities to mention and new ways that you can get involved. One of the rhythms that is important to following Jesus and important to us at Summit is studying scripture. As we study the Bible, we can have one, hope, two, find guidance, three, be corrected, and four, receive truth into our lives. Listen in and lean in with us wherever you are, open up God's word, and hear this week's message.
1: Good morning, Team Summit. So yes, like Pastor Eric said, we're going to... I'm going to share with you a little bit of how Jesus taught the love of God, and I'm going to say, like I said, good morning. My name is Kim. I'm on the, I'm on the board here, um, along with a lot of other amazing people. So um, I want to thank Pastor Eric for giving me this opportunity, even though this was his idea. Um, it's been like 20 years since I've done anything like this, so I'm going to take my time um, and everything. Um, the only thing I can really remember about speaking like this is my mouth would get really dry, so I don't know how you pastors do this on a regular basis. You know, but, um, I guess what I want to do today, hopefully I want you to bear with me till the end, um, My hope is to shake the foundation a little bit, okay? Um, But first I got some pictures. So let's look at my immediate family. You'll know which one that is. So this is my immediate family. The black one is Topanga, she's 10 year old Cocker. And Shem, he is eight months, okay? And he's a booger bear. He's something else. He's got a mind of his own. Okay. Um, A little something about Shem. When I brought him home, he was, not yet anyway. Um, He was 20 weeks. So he's a little older than what I normally do, uh, you know, when I get puppies and stuff like that. And I took him straight to the vet. I always do get him checked out. And they heard a heart murmur. Okay. So um, she wasn't sure because she also thought it might have been his breathing. But, um, and then I had him neutered, okay? And the vet called me and said, we definitely hear a heart murmur, and you need to have him checked out by a cardiologist. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Oh, you guys are awesome. <laughs> no, that's coffee. I don't need coffee. that don't. <laughs> uh. So um, so the vet said she definitely heard a heart murmur, and I said, okay. So I set something up, which it took a month before I could get him in for a an um, echocardiogram, cardiologist, a vet cardiologist. So she did the echo, but before that, that month, I just kind of talked with the Lord and and, you know, got with him, what should I do? I know that this is not going to happen. You have given me authority over the things of the earth. And he belongs to me, even though he's a dog. He belongs to me. So, you know, the Lord just kind of led me and with the food I should be feeding him and that kind of thing. And he got the echo and he does not have a heart murmur. So... My little guy is healed. Okay, the next picture. Okay, so about a year ago, I went to Saudi Arabia. I've always had this thing about Mount Sinai. And when I would look in the maps in the back of the Bible, when I first started following the Lord in the 80s, it just didn't seem right where they said the original Mount Sinai was. So this map shows Midian, which is where I was, which is the mountain of jabal Laws, and the, the people there call that mountain the Mountain of Moses. So what they're saying is that this mountain is most likely the um, uh, Mount Sinai. And then you see over on the peninsula close to the Red Sea where um, that is the traditional Mount Sinai. So those two places are very far apart. But the scripture says the land of Midian. Okay, go to the next picture. This, Mount Sinai, is the dark one over there. So when we went up, we kind of went around here to the right, and then we went around, and we go up and around, and and it's just – and this is rock. This is not dirt, grass, and they said this was hiking. This was not hiking. This was rock climbing. I don't rock climb. I mean, I was using all fours, okay, So go to the next one. Okay, Mount Sinai is, okay, where this wire is, that's Mount Sinai. We are now on the east side of Mount Sinai toward the Gulf of Aqaba, okay? And in this area is where Moses' father-in-law was living. And I I don't know if I have a picture of um, uh, the, the little town that, that he was in but that's Mount Sinai over there and in this area is where Moses would have been living with his wife Zipporah and um, Jethro okay go to the next one this pile of rocks is supposed to be where Aaron built the golden calf okay where the people were celebrating and having a party and doing everything else and this is actually surrounded by a fence. The Saudis fenced it in so that people couldn't get in there. And I don't know if some of you know who the Caldwells are in the 90s. They went hunting for this, and this is part of what they found. So we had to crawl under a fence just to get in there and go around. Next picture. Yeah, we crawled under the fence. This is headed toward towards Moses' altar. They built this, and it's like this little path for the um, bulls to go down, and then they turn a corner, and then Moses slaughtered or, or made an offering with all of those bulls' blood to uh, the God, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The next one. This is supposed to be split rock, where Moses struck the rock and water came out. And you can see how big it is. And actually I climbed up there, went through the center and around to the other side. So um, you can climb it. But yeah, you can also see where water had made its path down on both sides. When you get up there, you can actually see that. Next picture. And this is me. So this is, I made it to the plateau of the 70 elders, which is in Exodus 24, 9, and 11, okay? And this, it took me two and a half hours to get there. There was a group that was ahead of me. They actually went all the way to the top. If I had kept going, it would have taken me two more hours. That's how far away the summit is. Do I have another picture? Okay, no, they're supposed to delete that one. So go to the next one. Okay, and then go to the next one. I'll do that one later. Or go back to the title. That'll be good. Okay, perfect. Okay. So, um, let's continue on. Okay, I've been coming to Summit since December 2010. My first Sunday here, there was this lady that followed me around. Mm Mm-hmm, she's laughing over there. Um, There was a luncheon in the fellowship hall that Sunday for people who were new to Summit. And we went down, sat down, had a meal. And before I knew it, she was asking me for my telephone number. First thing that went through my head was that, "Mm mm-hmm, she wants to make sure I come back. Okay? And I did tell her that that's what I knew she was doing. And, you know, she chuckled um, and everything. So... Uh, Miss Betty, thank you. Thank you for stepping out um, and taking care of me. Okay? So um, make sure you guys thank, if you enjoy this, thank Miss Betty for what she did. Okay? Okay. When Eastern teachers spoke on spiritual ideas, they always put them in stories or in parables. Why? Because spiritual ideas are like water and air. You can't carry water in your hands, right? You can't carry air in your hands. You need a container. Spiritual ideas need verbal containers, which we call parables. God is spirit. He is not a man. The thoughts of God and the ideas of God. When his being or presence or what he is, is spirit. The people of Jesus' time were common people living simple lives. Most could not read or write. Jesus used parables to illustrate a truth to draw a picture for the people to be able to grasp hold on to truth. I, I would like to acknowledge Pastor Eric. Um, you are a very good storyteller, a very good illustrator, or in your word, oracle. I guess that's what you, your word? Okay. Um, I don't know many pastors, that would drink gasoline, I don't know if y'all remember that sermon he gave, or light himself on fire, all right? To illustrate the truth. So Pastor Eric, St. Paul needs you, okay? And I wanna thank you for answering the call to summit. All right, how, yep. How did Jesus teach the love of God? Nowhere in scriptures does Jesus say, Alaha, Huba, U. Anybody speak Aramaic? No. Okay, that means God is love. Alaha, God. Huba, love. Huba. And hu is. Is instead of giving us, instead he gave us the idea that God is love through parables. His parables not only illustrated a truth, but they allowed the people to feel the love of God, to know the love of God, and to know the love of God and not just think about it. It wasn't just a mental thing. He was trying to get them out of that. Mental thinking. Jesus took 12 simple men, some of them were illiterate, and changed the direction of the world. Men who lived around the Sea of Galilee, doing the thing best they knew to do in life. They were fishermen. And sometimes not very good ones, because Jesus had to tell them where to put their net. Yeah, (laughs) Matthew 13 10 and 11. Then his disciples drew near to him and said why do you speak to them in parables? He answered saying because to you it is granted to know the mystery of the kingdom of heaven but it is not granted to them. What did he mean? I'm going to give you my interpretation of um Because I've been more studying the culture, Uh, the Church of the East before, I guess you could say, year 400 AD, yeah, before Constantine. Um, So I've really been into studying that culture. I've found books which were hard to find. Um, Some were out of print. I had to get used ones just to really get a better understanding of the culture and everything. So I'm not coming at you with theology, with doctrine, or with any dogmas. I'm coming at you with the culture of that time. So this is my interpretation of what I get. We are together all the time. You can ask me a question at any time, and I can give you an answer right then and there. But the crowds and the multitudes, I don't hang with them. They can't ask me a question at any time like you can. I have to be able to impart truth in them in a short period of time. Jesus did not speak in parables to keep the kingdom of heaven a mystery. He spoke in parables so they could easily and quickly grasp his ideas which were spiritual he was changing their understanding of God and the kingdom let me give you a little bit of example before I jump into a couple of parables I'm going to use the one about the father's love or we also call it the lost son or um, the prodigal son Jesus starts this parable out by saying, a man had two sons. Okay? So now, I want y'all to respond or give me some answers. Two sons in the Bible, or two brothers. There's a couple of sets. Give them to me. Yep, Cain and Abel, and who else? Exactly. So when Jesus says, a man had two sons. What? Really? What happened? This is what they would have been doing. They would have, he would have caught their attention. Two sons. We know what happens with two sons. There's conflict. There's drama. Yeah, what's going on? So that's how he starts. That's the kind of things he would use in his parables. So, hmm? So Jesus told them this parable. What man among you has a hundred sheep? And if one of them should get lost, would he not leave the ninety and nine in the open, in the wilderness, and go in search for the one which was lost until he finds it? That's in Luke 15, three through seven. Jesus used 100 because the people loved this number. Most people could not count, but they knew what 100 meant. It meant you were rich. The man with 100 sheep was rich. The shepherd knew and loved his flock just like we love our pets today. We have to remember, they were simple people. Most could not read, write, or count. When you take people who aren't skilled in anything else, their minds were not involved in other things, but their life occupation. This is all they knew. They didn't have newspapers, TV, Telephones, cell phones, cars, Facebook, or TikTok. And they would only travel a few miles from their home every day. They developed a skilled mind and attention to taking care of their sheep. They knew every sheep by name. They didn't have to go in and say, one, two, three. Three, four, five. They didn't have to do that. He could walk in all hundred of his sheep. Are they all here? Yep, they're all here. This shepherd went among his sheep one day and noticed one was missing and he knew exactly which one it was. He was devastated over the missing lamb. So he leaves the 99 in search of that one. He tells everyone in town, everyone in town, about his lost sheep. And they were devastated with him. His fear is that a lion may have destroyed this lamb. If so, he would fight the lion to retrieve whatever was left of the lamb. Yeah, he would kill the lion and go in and get whatever was left of the lamb. This is how much they cared for their sheep. Hence, David slaying lions and bears. Mm -hmm. Then he hears the lamb crying, and its fleece is stuck in a brumble bush, a thorny bush. He carefully disentangles the lamb from the bush. He picks it up talks to it, cuddles it, caresses it, gives it a little food. And the lamb feels the touch of the shepherd and stops shaking with fear. Before returning to the flock, the shepherd takes the lamb through town and tells everyone, look, I found my lamb. I found my lamb. And everybody is cheering and rejoicing with the shepherd Like the shepherd with the lamb, our heavenly Father is with humankind. God does not reject anyone, but earnestly searches for those who have lost their way and rejoices when they are found. God uh he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven Is like leaven, which a woman took and buried in three measures of flour. Until it was all leaven. That's Matthew 13, 33. Most Jews were expecting the kingdom to come at any moment. It would happen quickly. And all the nations of the earth would know it. They believed the Messianic kingdom was to overtake all the kingdoms of the world and restore the throne of David. That all nations would be subject to Jewish rule. Jesus explained to them, the kingdom of heaven doesn't come like that. He's he is telling them the kingdom is coming like a woman. Doing an everyday chore. Let that sink in. everyday chore. Just things going on day to day. You're living your life. She is making bread for the day. She puts leaven in the bread and patiently waits for it to rise. In Jesus' humor, the woman is burying leaven in 50 pounds of flour. That's what three measures is, 50 pounds. I mean, imagine, yeah, that's a lot of flour. Ten bags, no, five bags of 50 pounds. Got to get my math right. Five, pa- five bags of 50 pounds of flour. That's more bread than you'll ever need in one day. So he he does have a little humor. Um, She kneads it, punches it. I don't know exactly how to make bread. I've seen it. You know, you do all the kneading and you punch it and you flatten it out and you roll it up. And I guess you put it in the dark so it can rise. And I think you have to do that several times. But she's patient. This is a surprise to the crowd because Jesus is equating God's sovereign presence to a woman. And you didn't do that then. Women were like less than nothing. The leaven represents God's working secretly in the hearts of humankind. I'm going to go somewhere, and um, I want you to just kind of just bear with me, the sovereign presence of God. What's going on in the world, you know, all of this? It's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about you. And I'm even going to say that it's not about Jesus. Jesus, whoa. Okay. And if we are following in Jesus' footsteps, we should be pointing to the Father just like He did. He always pointed back to the Father. It's about my Father. So for us, it should be the same. God's sovereign presence is patiently waiting for the kingdom to rise and expand. His sovereignty is slowly, secretly working in the hearts and minds of all humankind. (laughs) I'm a black woman. I am standing on the platform of Summit Church, on Summit Avenue in Victoria, in St. Paul, Minnesota. 30, 40, 50 years ago, this would have been unheard of. And I know because I've seen the
0: pictures.
1: And I'm not saying anything is bad. I'm not trying to call it. There's no division in the kingdom of God. There is no division in the kingdom of God. What my point is, God's sovereignty is working in the hearts of humankind. Look how far we've come. always working. I watched a YouTube video, and I had to watch the YouTube video. I didn't even know it happened until two days later, of a murder that happened in South Minneapolis on Memorial Day of 2020. Don't anybody panic! I'm not not like that. I'm making a point. I'm making a point. God had me focusing on the police officer Derek Chauvin. I couldn't get my eyes off of him. I watched his facial countenance, his his body posture. The Lord. First of all, what went through my mind is I said, "Oh my God, we're here." The next thing I heard, and when I say hear, I don't mean audibly. I've heard God's audible voice, but it's been years ago. I'm talking about between my ears, you know, thought in my head. The next thing I heard was, he belongs to me, and he doesn't even know it. Someone missed it. Someone missed sharing with him God's sovereign presence that is locked in him, wanting to come out. That day, four men, their lives were changed. Their families and friends were affected. The world was affected. And we need to understand good or bad, whatever we do, it affects the whole world. There's no such thing as if you don't see it, it doesn't affect you, it does. That's how connected God has created us to be. How do you think you can be praying for somebody on the other side of the world and you don't even know who they are? That's how connected we are. The day of Derek's conviction, I should say the day after I went to work, people were cheering and shaking hands and clapping. In my heart, it, it really hurts. It really, really hurts. And I'm talking about people that were ministers, still are, Christians, non-Christians, black, white. This man was created in the image and the likeness of the Father. We did not win. This is not the kingdom. This is not God's sovereign presence working. So some months later, there was a case in Texas where a police officer, a white woman, had shot a black man in his apartment. It was an accident. She had been working, and this is what I've gotten, and then you know the research and stuff. She had been working long hours, went to the wrong apartment, Thought he was in there burglaring, stealing whatever, and she shot him. He died. That trial is a little different. The young man, or brother of um, the guy that was shot and killed, he spoke to the court, and in his speaking. This young man brought the sovereign presence of God in that courtroom. I listened to him speak. He told the lady, the young the girl, the police officer that I know this was an accident but my brother is dead. He told her that he forgave her. Everybody in that judge, the bailiff, people sitting out in the audience, and the lady, she was crying. That's what she needed to hear from him. I forgive you. He asked the judge if he could hug her. The judge let let them embrace. That's what we need. Until the sovereign presence of God is active in every heart, these kinds of things are going to happen. How are we going to respond to them? Are we going to use darkness to fight darkness? Or are we going to turn on the light? Jesus told the multitude, and I just, I wrote this down as I was coming in here today. um, You are the light of the world. That you there is actually plural in English. We don't have a plural you in one word. We have to use two words, you all. So I want to say Summit Church or Team Summit, you all. Are the light of the world. You all are the salt of the earth. And we need to be salt and light in darkness. It's not over. Other things are going to happen. Summit Church is in a unique, is in a unique place, location. There's going to come a time, Summit, we're going to have to take a stand. And I don't mean fight or anything like that. But we're going to have to walk, bring forth that sovereign presence of God. The kingdom of heaven is in you all when people see us they should see a product of the kingdom of heaven when we speak they should hear the sovereign presence of the father amen pastor eric you want to come up i'm gonna let you come up now you can finish preaching Okay, I am finished, Pastor Katie.
2: <laughs> Listen, I also heard you tell us about like how how the the how Jesus has taught you the heart of the Father through these trips, yes, and then through these trials, uh, the ones that we watch and we watch them sometimes in glaring opposition one devoid of the sovereign presence of god or his heart and one full of it and it changes the atmosphere you said something interesting and and i just i'm reminded of what dr king said about driving out hate using hate to drive out hate it's foolish and so you're saying this in past text to us, or, or um, post-text, I guess, or like in the past, but you're also saying this, in a sense, preparing us for the future. Because uh, you're right, there are going to be other trips and trials and stories we're going to be a part of. And um, and I think, I think you hit it on the head. Some of those things you talk about, no one won. I mean, that's that statement, that's going to stick with me for a while. And so I just want you to pray for our church, for the things that are ahead of us. That we would not be colorblind, we'd be color rich. That we wouldn't, you know, pander to diversity, we would honor it. That it wouldn't be about, you know... Your pastor who looks a lot like Thor. Some of your people that are, well, they're not Norwegian. It's not about those things. It's about uniting us in Christ, pointing it to the Father. And so I just, that's my heart for this church. And you just hit it on the head, Kim. So thank you for being a uniting force in our world. Thank you for being salt and light to our church. and I just want you to pray for that spirit of unity that when we come to the crossroads of all the ways that this structure of society and classisms and all these things that want to divide us, that we would stand on a carpet like this together and we'd stand unified together. Because I I do agree with you. I think there's going to be moments where we're going to have to, as a church, decide what is our banner that we are, are under. Is it this party, that party? Is it this issue, that issue? And I, there, there, there is some sovereignty that needs to show up. So can you pray for that? And Katie, can you lead us in just in a song? And you're free to go. Um, can you just show your appreciation for Kim for bringing us the word today? Thank you so much. And can I also just say to you as a church, like when she mentioned she was thirsty, There was like 30 of you that got up to go get her water. I find that so encouraging for our neighborhood because when you will hear a story if you respond to her like that I would challenge us to respond to whoever them are like that because that was a beautiful thing. So Kim can you just lead us in prayer just a spirit of unity just a a foreshadowing just a prayer for the future for us.
1: Father God, I thank you. I thank you for this place we call Summit Church, the community, the people, Lord. I thank you for each heart that is in here, Father God. I pray that you touch our hearts, Lord God, and that we just begin to seek you on are we responding to things with your presence in mind. Father, I thank you for unifying us, making us one, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You have brought us this far and we are going to lean on you to continue this journey Lord there is something that you have in store for us and we want to do it well We don't want to fear the things that are going to come, Lord. We want to stand strong in you, in your word. And Lord, we just want to use our words wisely. We also want to, like with the parables of Yeshua, we want to be those verbal containers for spiritual ideals. I pray for the 55105, Lord. And as these people walk through the doors here, that they will know that God is here, the Father is here, that they can be cared for here. that they can get answers to their questions here, Lord. You are doing something so amazing, Father. Hmm. Show us, Lord, each of us, how to totally focus on you and what you would have for us to do, Lord. Like the simple people of the times of Jesus, Father God, help us, show us how to put our attention on the things that count. thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus'
0: name. Amen. To help you apply the truth found in Scripture, we always like to ask three questions. What did you learn about God? What did you learn about yourself? How are you going to apply what the Holy Spirit is speaking through Scripture to your life? We hope that helps bring clarity for you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Life in the Valley, the podcast of the people of Summit Church. Join us in person sometime as we gather as a church on Summit Avenue, or join us here at our podcast again, or virtually at our online encounter each week. Before you go, though, Pastor Eric is going to give you a special invitation and share just part of his heart for you, the culture, and a little bit about the people of Summit Church.
2: Hey, Pastor Eric Samuel, Tim here. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Let me first say, our city of St. Paul is absolutely amazing. I encourage you to explore all the history it has to offer. And you need to know this, Summit Church has been a part of that history, along with so many amazing churches. Speaking specifically about the people of Summit, well, we've been gathering here since about 1932. And my hope that this would not just be a rich history, But it would be our forward legacy. History is a thing of the past, but legacy makes way for the future. So where are we going? That's a good question. Our vision is simple, to see all people of Saint Paul and beyond living as disciples of Christ, people full of hope, fully known, and actively loving one another, living a spirit-led life. Our mission is also simple, to provide rhythm, location, and opportunity Where you can have a life-changing experience with god journey within the diversity to do these three things become disciples of jesus to deliver hope and to champion this city that is where we are going that is what we're doing so where are you going maybe that's a good question for you what are your next steps i would encourage you to join one of our monthly expeditions the expedition is a simple experience where you can find out more about who you are in Christ, who Summit Church is, what are we doing around here, and how you can play a part. It's less than a 2-hour commitment for your whole month. We also feed you some amazing food and even provide childcare. So the question is, where will we go? Maybe we're on a journey following Jesus together. And I got a hunch we just might not be us without you. We'll see you at the summit where we prepare for life in the valley.